0: Hello, this is Zach with La Familia Ayahuasca. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this uh, podcast. Today's a, a special podcast. We've got uh, Dr. John Sheely um, on the on the podcast, and as you may or may not know, Dr. John Sheely is is um, both Jess and I's personal coach. Um, he does many things, um, and part of the reason we work with him um, as a coach is that he has uh, a background working with uh, preparation and integration around ayahuasca and psychedelics and so forth. And he, he also has a uh, background in, in psychotherapy and uh, integral. Is that right? Integral. Yes. Okay. Integral psychotherapy. Is that how we would say it? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So on that point, why don't John want you uh, introduce yourself and, and, um, talk a bit about what you do.
1: Okay. Well, Zach, thanks for having me.
0: Um, well, as you mentioned, I'm a
1: clinical psychologist. Um, I started out with um, just sort of the basic training as most psychologists do. Fairly early on, probably 25, close to 30 years ago, I stumbled into mindfulness training and then started really appreciating the power of of being able to step back and objectify our experience. That's particularly true with folks that have trauma or just about anything that goes on. And then that, that sort of evolved then into working with people who've had psychedelic experiences because some of the foundation of that is to be able to shift awareness away from our sort of self-absorbed left brain, everything's in a box linear type of thinking into a much larger view, larger perspective. And that perspective can be thought of really as, you know, like in the Buddhist tradition, and I would say the Christian tradition, any mystical tradition is the ultimate reality that we basically are every all that is. There's not a ideal, I mean, excuse me, there's not a separate, isolated individual here. We're part of all the unfolding mystery. Mm-hmm. That capacity to step back and have a broader perspective is tremendously powerful for folks who are trying to, to heal up old wounds or traumas. It's uh, sort of the foundation of any type of uh, deep spiritual growth.
0: Hmm. Uh, yeah, so um, just kind of jumping in on that point. So how would you look at, um, the one's daily practice like meditation relative to uh, psychedelic experience. And, uh, you know, one's a big kaboom and one's a um, continual practice. Uh, can you kind of get into that a little bit? Absolutely. And I, I'd love to get into that. That's sort of the, one of the key things that that I, I
1: try to bring out to the world, I think, because I've probably the past 20 years or so, I've been teaching my uh, mindfulness meditation, leading, you know, three, two, three, five day retreats and things like that sort of got away from that some years ago and started doing more kind of basic training around it. Mm. Um, so there's the notion of, of having the experience, like you say, the big Kerbang, like we we can sort of rely on if, if we go into a well guided, well structured and, uh, safe ayahuasca experience, for example, uh, sort of think of that sometimes as we're getting a helicopter ride to the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do we see from the top of the mountain? And In, in uh, Wilbur's integral model, we, we have an introduction there to causal witness and non-dual consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so we get a sense of this is really how we can see the world. We're not tied up with the lower states of consciousness, the gross or the subtle, not just things or emotions. We're tied up in, in observing the whole show unfold.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: uh, ayahuasca experiences can be like that in the sense of here's the whole show without the overlay of your personally conditioned fears and judgments and reactivities and dramas and all this stuff. Here's a, a pure glimpse of awareness. Mm-hmm. So then bringing that back to the perspective of how, how could a mindfulness practice be helpful in preparation for an ayahuasca experience, for example,
2: mm-hmm.
1: well we start out in meditation practice first with concentration, trying to get the monkey mind adequately settled so we can focus that beam of awareness where we want to put it and then we start moving into vipassana which is observing the impermanence of our experience and observing that thoughts rise and pass sensations rise and pass to some degree our identification rises and passes everything is impermanent so with practice it's like we're putting a more increasing uh, level of space between the awareness that we have choiceless awareness and all of the objects so what that does if we think about it, it, it in sort of a I don't know we'll just have a draw up a little scenario here someone's going into an ayahuasca experience because they've had <clears throat> excuse me a lifetime of, of anxiety depression eating disorders who knows what's going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and obviously that's not the only reason people would seek out a plant medicine experience but you know being a clinical psychologist I sort of go to go to that that example, <clears throat> then what can happen in, let's just say, traditional psychotherapy, like I was trained in all those years ago, is that there can be a, a, a safe environment created in a relationship where there's some trust, and the person can go back and revisit these experiences, and they can come up in their body and come up in their mind. and. If there's, if there's not an adequate space, if there's not a capacity to observe these experiences, sensations in the bodies, thoughts in the minds, emotions, fear, all the rest, then there's a, a real significant risk of re-traumatization. What mm. I would argue you know, from my very limited view of all of this is that that would be one of the, the strongest arguments for preparation and uh, what I really think of as the, the, the uh, <clears throat> pre-ceremony phase of integration. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let's get ourselves to the place where we can observe whatever is arising and see that it's not actually us, it's mm-hmm. something that's sort of moving through us. So, so when these powerful experiences do arise and the medicine is showing us some of the places that we need to heal, we're, we're sort of sitting back on the riverbank, watching all of these, you know, water rapids go by, mm-hmm. watching all the, the debris being carried down the river. We're not being carried down with it. And we know we're we're not the river, and we know we're not the debris. Mm-hmm. So, so it, to me, just not only from a safety issue, but also from a capacity to, to make uh, get the most benefit from the experience, be able to know we're about to see a a, a very powerful movie here, and it's going to look very personal to you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So don't don't take it personally. Just step back and watch it, experience it. And you know, when we tell people things like you know, if it's something very scary, just turn toward it. Well, that's easy to say, but it's much easier to hear, much easier to hear if someone has a, you know, solid meditation practice and they say, Oh, you mean like what I do when I'm on my cushion and I think, Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. My back's going to you know rip rip out of my back now here. Spine's going to rip out of my back. You say, no, that that's not it. Just turn toward it and relax. Oh yeah. Okay. I got it. Turn toward it. And relax. Turn toward it. And relax. No problem. Huh. Instead of, running away from it again. And what I would see in that is that's a, you know, a ceremony example of a risk of re-traumatization. Hmm. And then on the, on the other side, post ceremony, so folks have gone in, they've had some powerful experiences. They have some, uh, received some insights they may have taken home a list of homework, you know, from mother ayahuasca said, okay, man, you need to do the A, B and C here, you know, change gotcha. this in your life. <clears throat> so, I think really that I mean the gold standard of of integration post ceremony of of ayahuasca and other psychedelic experiences is a committed meditation practice
2: mm-hmm.
1: where we're constantly working on maintaining that space. Another way to see that is it's we're constantly working to keep that view from that helicopter ride, the view we had from the top of the mountain, and realize that uh, I mean, from my view at least, it's not that. That the medicine creates these experiences, it's that the medicine allows these experiences. So we're actually moving to a, a, a reality based experience that is not contaminated by all our conditioning. Mm. You know, that as we popped out of here, this little blob of protoplasm propped out here in our family of origin and our peer group and culture and all the rest and shaped ourselves up so we, we could survive. Who are we ultimately? Mm-hmm. Again, from my view, we're not the conditioning.
2: Right. Right.
1: And so we, at some point in our life, if we're fortunate and have the resources and the insight to stop and say, wait a minute, I've been, I've been moving along a track here and I've been fairly successful on this track, but you know, I wonder who picked this track for me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah. So so, um, a couple of questions off of that um, or what you just said. One is, I think there's a lot of, um, misunderstanding in uh, our society as to uh, there's so much focus on success when we do something, and meditation is all about failing over and over and over and over again and getting comfortable with failing, right? right. So, um, was it uh, Sharon Salzberg, who's a great meditation teacher. Um, who says the healing is in the return, that is the return to your focus, your your practice. Um, when we start to go, uh, our thoughts start to take us somewhere. and we return, it's, it's how we deal with that return. And um, so I'd like you to speak to that misunderstanding about meditation, what it is and how you don't need its successes is not the point so much i mean it is but it isn't at the same time and then also um for those many people when they approach ayahuasca they don't realize the importance of preparation and therefore they they go into the experience and then come out and okay now we got. To, they do realize they have to focus on integration so um you know Maybe we can talk about not, not necessarily um, we can encourage people to do the preparation, uh, but we can't make them, obviously. But uh, let's talk about someone who went through an uh, ayahuasca experience and, and is just needing some good, solid integration. So anyway, let's talk about the meditation first.
2: Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that's just a wonderful place to start. You know, we have this idea of success and failure. And, and when we do, quote unquote, fail at something, that's a wonderful opportunity to mm. observe our conditioning. See, our conditioning offer, particularly often, in, particularly in our culture here in the West, uh, that conditioning, when we fail, you know, we, we have a, a, an objective, something we're trying to do. We come back and we get like a, you know, a D, D minus on the test or whatever, or even a B on the test, you know, then... And oftentimes what arises, what's being conditioned to arise, is shame. And so we have a, and if you think about that from a neuro-linguistic programming perspective, we're reinforcing the neural pathways that sort of give us a, a produce like a physical sinking. And oftentimes you even see the person's posture change. Hmm. And there can be a flushing and, the, uh, and sweating and all sorts of stuff. So what we're seeing there sort of really is, a, is the, the brainstem level of am I safe? Is there a sense of attunement? You know, it's, it's basically attachment issue things being activated there. And, and interesting enough, I've I just uh, worked with someone who's had a powerful, uh, it was actually psilocybin in this uh, particular situation. But she came back, I guess it was two weeks later, and said, you know, I don't have that sinking feeling anymore. Mm. I, I don't sink into shame anymore. And that was one of the powerful things, one of the messages that she got from the medicine, one of the healings that she had during that experience. Um, and of course see that that that's one of those paradoxes where we have to see our quote unquote failures from a new perspective mm. in order to be free of them. Mm. Cause as long as they're the same perspective, then it's just reinforcing those pathways and we're just getting deeper and deeper caught in that same nonsense that ultimately has nothing to do with who we truly are.
2: Mm-hmm. It has
1: to do with the, you know, trauma is a word that's often overused these days, but it, it's traumatic to be a small child and get the message that you're not good enough, that mm-hmm. there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. because from a small child's perspective, that can mean I can't survive in this tribe. So it's, it's, it has a lot of somatic, uh, you know, residue, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then also in, in, um, in meditation practice. I, I remember, gosh, I don't know. I think I was on a five or six day retreat when I had my first little breakthrough, the uh, insight to like, wow, that's what it's like when the when the ego falls away. Mm-hmm. And then for the next three or four years, I kept chasing that experience. You know, right, <laughs> further away. <laughs> and so it's just a perfect example. You know, if we if we go in with this this sort of rigid type A, I'm going to be able to do all this stuff. It's just the opposite of what's needed, which is really surrender. Mm-hmm. Surrender to, to your own higher wisdom, surrender to the wisdom of the medicine, surrender to the wisdom of the safety of the container, the wisdom of the leader, all of these things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's just the exact opposite of what we need to get the most out of the experience.
0: Yeah. Uh, can I stop you on, the, on sure. this point? This This comes up so many times, particularly with we tend to work with a lot of type A um, entrepreneurs and business people and uh, people who are working in, uh, I would say, more mainstream. um, And they are trying to do it right, optimize. um, And it's we keep saying, you know, hey, these things that you do in your business life or your work life are actually counterproductive in the ayahuasca experience. And it leads me to something that I haven't been able to articulate. I have a sense that this work is taking these type A views. That is the view of the individual of trying to optimize, trying to get the most out of the experience and teaching that that person the experience itself is teaching that person, yeah, the, the drive and all the things that work in business and so forth, is, there's a valuable place for that. And this surrender, this letting go, this ex- acceptance, there's a, there's a, a larger place uh, for that as well. And we need to learn to balance the two, and that is optimizing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's totally counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that a little bit
1: okay. so sure so so when i work when I work with folks like that that are you know in in industry and in corporate world or even you know serious athletes or whatever uh this notion of balance notion of you know what what do we need to do we need to uh, uh, bring a sense of balance and and uh, and restoration into the mix um, the idea too is. Is I mean no one not even you know someone who's running a triathlon or whatever th- th- they're going to, ma- to maximize their training they're going to maximize their rest and they're gonna hmm. you know make sure that they get the rest and distractions from their focus you know from their their little narrow focus of whatever it is they're trying to accomplish um, and sometimes that's sort of like using the problem as a solution to the problem hmm You know, I can do that sometimes, like with obsessive compulsive folks. Okay, so now we're going to do this. So at 745 in the morning, the alarm is going to go off. You know, five minutes later, you're going to be on your cushion. You're going to stay there for 26 minutes and you're going to get up. And so they sort of go along with their own old thing, you see, Mm -hmm. to get them into the system of it. But then they sort of learn along the way. They say, well, I've got like 26 minutes here to sit. So what am I doing now? Okay. And they get little breakthroughs instead of trying to fight back directly against that sort of type A energy. Mm-hmm. Just kind of lay it out like, okay, yeah, we're going, to, we're going to maximize this experience. What do we need to do here? Well, we need to let go of everything. Just imagine that you've, you've gone through this incredibly challenging trial. And now the, uh, this period of this uh, trial is over. And what you need to do now is go get a massage, go float in a hot tub, eat some very you know nutritious easy easily digested food need to have a light light conversation all that sort of stuff to the degree that you don't do that then you're you're just kind of you know sluffing off here mm. you're you're not applying yourself 100% to the goal
2: mm-hmm. so That's
1: what you need to do here in this 3 days or this 7 days or whatever is to turn your machines off get your screens out of the way don't think of your emails or your texts or any other thing Watch what happens when that when you do that. No, notice the energy that arises. Notice the energy that arises there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and that is an introduction to to the very unnecessary, unproductive, could could say counterproductive energy of urgency. Mm-hmm. That is not helpful to you. Not helpful to you attaining where you want to go.
2: Mm.
1: Urgency is a, is a, is beyond the 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 uh, efficient. Uh, level of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So you, you're now losing your cool. You're going to make more mistakes. You're mm-hmm. gonna, your vision is going to get narrow. You're going to mm-hmm. miss opportunities. So what you have to do now is come back, let go of everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, but God, I want to help. God, I, that's right. Exactly. Let go of everything. What about that too? What about mm-hmm. that too? Everything that too. And, and then there are meditation practices like not doing meditation practice. Mm hmm. What, what do you do? Nothing. Sugantaza, Just sit. Mm-hmm. What? It, that's right. What it? <laughs> nope. 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 Notice that's just a question rising. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And then they're left with some type of condition, whatever. And it takes a while
2: yeah.
1: because we're so wound up in this culture.
2: Yeah. You
1: get the, the static low enough Do you start to see, oh, wow. I carry around a sense of urgency all the time. Yeah. And it's like running about 85 to 90% all the time. Yeah. And it gets down to like 40, 50%, I get nervous as, but Jesus, man, this is hard. Yeah. Exactly. That's why you and your devotion to being the best you can be is going to be called on right here.
0: Yeah.
1: Keep Fair. letting go.
0: That's, that's a, that's really cool. Um, Psychological Aikido is like, hey, uh, uh, you want to do, make this the best possible experience. You want to get the most out of it. Start doing nothing. Stop. 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 Uh, or let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And any time that you start to get off of this let it go track, it's it's detrimental to your your experience and ultimately detrimental to your life because you're running you you're running at uh, a higher higher RPM than is healthy for your engine, so to speak.
1: Yes. And I also use, you know, a lot of sort of technical uh, analogies, like the sense of uh, some of these things can be thought of as sub programs that are running in the background Mm. that that are not helpful or productive, but they're running and they're taking up bandwidth Mm -hmm. and we don't even, we don't know they're running until we start shutting down some of the the main programs that are taking up a lot of the bandwidth and Mm. then they become obvious. It's like, Oh, I'm still, I'm still trying to please mom.
2: Hmm.
1: It doesn't matter that mom died six years ago. I'm still trying to. I'm still in that in that role. I'm still trying to compete with my brother or whatever it is. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Forty forty three years old. I should be a a man or a woman,
0: a sovereign being,
1: a sovereign. Uh, right.
0: Um. As we're talking here, something that came to mind about for for someone who's doing preparation, it's almost like um particularly around meditation and or taking time away from doing a media diet, if you will, um, prior to an ayahuasca retreat, it is all preparation, right? And it's it's in the preparation. It, again, we don't need to focus on uh, success as to uh, in the preparation. We could go into it like, okay, I'm going to do this preparation. I don't know if I'm going to succeed. If I succeed, it's great. And when I go into ayahuasca, an ayahuasca retreat where I'm going to do multiple ceremonies, <clears throat> have the trust and understanding that things are going to be primed to click that much easier, both during and then also post ayahuasca. Would you would you agree?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think back to my uh, early ayahuasca experiences that were probably 16 years ago, which I didn't have an understanding of what we're talking about here at all. And I'm uh-huh. thinking, wow, how how much more I could have gotten from those experiences.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and I'd let go of a lot of things already because I'd already, I'd let go of my practice. We'd moved out of the country, you know, gotten rid of everything. wouldn't fit in the friend's closet. So I, I wasn't carrying a lot of stuff with me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which that was, I mean, that, that, that's sort of a extreme version of preparation. Mm-hmm. Close your practice, sell your house, get rid of your cars, give your bicycles away, go have a ceremony. Mm-hmm. You know, but and I had, you know, it was wonderful ceremonies for me too. But that, that sense of, it's, it's so counter in our culture, you know, this idea of the, the most, the most uh, beneficial thing in these experiences is to surrender completely, let go completely. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, boy, that doesn't really feel right to me. I've got to try and do something.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, and, and again, that's that underlying sense of urgency that, that we're ultimately trying to, to free ourselves from. The urgency and other, urgency is a very powerful sub program. It takes up all kinds of bandwidth mm-hmm. and our focus and limits our creativity and all the rest. So there it is. It's going to be there in all sorts of shapes and sizes and flavors. And what is it? It's going to be some version of discomfort Yeah. and and ants. I got to go. I got to go. Let's try it. It's exactly bingo. You're very successful. You just noticed how difficult it is. Uh-huh. So I can't do it. Well, now you've just, dug up a very limiting belief that's absolutely false. Yeah. I, of course you can do it. You can do anything.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, can you share with us your your experience when you went down? Because you, you had a pretty interesting situation when you went down. Was it Peru that uh, you went to for your uh, uh, round of ayahuasca experiences? And you lived with the, the shaman for a period of time, right?
1: We did, yeah. Yeah, we started out, um, my wife and I started out doing some traveling and we'd go and do some uh, Spanish immersion classes and things like that. And, and during that, one of those experiences, uh, one of our teachers said, um, you need to meet Alonzo. And he said, OK, hey, where's Alonzo? Who's Alonzo? You know? And so we met Alonzo. And so Alonzo is a shaman and he's, a, you know, folks from around the world come and work with him. Um, Alonzo de Rio. And, uh, uh, so we ended up, um, that, that was, that helped us decide, you know, sort of relative, relative, you know, for, uh, financial management's perspective, it's a financial manager's nightmare. I've got a 20 year practice in Tampa. What are you going to do? I'm going to shut it all down. We're going to go to out into the world for a while, maybe never come back.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And, and so that was some help there. And so we came, we rented a place from him and that was my first ayahuasca experience was with him. And I I've sort of um, I tell people, well, you can kind of tell what you're into one by the color of the medicine. Mm. And with him, it was sort of pink, and it had a little bit of odd taste to it. And it was sort of like being high, like smoking half a joint or something back in the old days when the half a joint was, you know, didn't have the THC they have these days. But mm. and he played music, and it was all good, and it was all great. And I bounced around there for, <clears throat> and then he had a shaman that he called in from for, for work with himself. So this is a shaman shaman. Uh-huh. So that medicine was in a, it looked like an old, you know, um, I don't know, oil, uh, plastic oil container. And it was black and ugly. Mm. And honest, honestly, it, it was six or eight months after that. I could just think of that experience and I could taste it in my mouth. It was
2: like, ooh. Uh. <laughs> and,
1: and it was, I, I don't, it, you know, it was a very powerful, it was a, a, a you know, a strong ritual space that had, had a lot of ceremonies in it. There were probably, I don't know, eight or ten of us from different parts of the world. And uh, at one point, I I was just dead. I mean, I I knew I was dying. And I was lying there on the floor. I could feel the heat uh, coming out from my fingertips. You know, I was just dying. Okay. And then I got the message, you need to ask for help, which is something that I have traditionally been very, you know, slow to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I did. And so here comes the ancestors and they kind of circled around me and I felt, you know, felt their support and what seemed like hours. I don't know how long it was, but I finally made my way to my feet, made it out to the pit latrine. I had, you know, a, a plastic bag for the what was coming out the front end and the pit latrine was coming out the back and it stayed there. For, I don't know how long it was, but it uh-huh. was, made. but I was not jumping around and dancing around the next day. It was a, <laughs> it was a pretty big whack.
2: Uh-huh.
1: But, but I saw the power of that, you know, it was like, wow. So, and within the next few weeks, I think it was actually within the next few days, um, a friend we'd made there in, uh, in PSAC, uh, said, Hey man, I'm going to go, go in the jungle here. And, uh, you know, with, uh, with Teo. And, and that's, uh, that's the uh, Amazon, the Peruvian Amazon. That's on the other side of the country. Right, right. I said, I said, oh, yeah. I said, what the, what's that going to look like? We were going to go in. It's like, I think it was eight, nine days. and Have four or five ceremonies. And says, said, oh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So then, you know, that's, that's that's going over there to that little river town and getting in a, uh, I don't know, 20-foot wooden boat with an outboard on the back.
0: The pecky-pecky, the little lawnmower motor, motor.
1: with,
2: yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so we go pecky pecky up the river there, you know, to, for two or three hours, and gets further and further away from anything. It looks like civilization, you know. And finally, get there like okay, and uh, this is a you know a very uh, bright, skillful, you know, college-educated uh, Peruvian shaman, and uh, so we had all sorts of uh, auxiliary and preparation practices. You know, we had smoke cleansings, and we had things that we, uh, as if we actually needed it, we had things that would make us throw up and all sorts of stuff. And then the right. ceremonies were just incredible. And, 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 and one thing that was back, back, to this, back to this notion of being with someone who appreciates what they're doing, who, who knows the experience, who is, understands the psychology of the Western mind, one of the most powerful things there was the level of acceptance that I mm-hmm. felt. I mean, you know, the, the diarrhea, the throwing up, all the rest. So, I mean, I, I'm just an absolute, you know, a putrid wreck by the time I got stuff all over me, you know, by the time the night's moving into the morning, you know, and, and there, there's no, nothing like man you to clean up or something. It's just, everybody's just hugging and it's just the, the whole community there is singing and essentially praying for you, you know, mm-hmm. just wonderful, just wonderful. And um, when he first saw me, he said, uh, hey, man, you know, you got a lot of other people's stuff on you. I Mm -hmm. said, I wonder why that would be from from (laughs) 20 years. years, And, yeah, it it was just amazing. Amazing. And then um, and also, you know, just the I mean, it's it's sort of it's the only experiences I've had that are uh, that that much in the culture. Uh huh you know uh-huh. the women and the children and the the village and the you know the ceremonial space and um it's just um i don't know i i i don't i don't know how that um how that can be brought into you know the american energies i, I guess folks do that i've just never experienced it I, I think i've sort of been spoiled by yeah, you got to get in a little tucky-tucky, go up the river there till you get away from. Yeah.
0: You
2: know,
1: there's nothing here that's going to remind you of America. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, the, uh, that's kind of we're, we're a lot familiar. Ayahuasca is, is um, doing our best. We're doing something similar, albeit different, because we're not in, in the Amazon basin. We're down in Guatemala, so we're definitely getting you out of your normal zone. And then, then the family part, we got that. <laughs> but although you know it is it is you know we, we always say that we're our our experience from that cultural standpoint is quite different than the uh the, the down in the jungle and um there's some advantages to to what we offer um you know around us being westerners versus uh you know the, that cultural connection is a little bit uh, easier to relate to but that said we always suggest people encourage people who want to go to the jungle do it by all means do it yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the, th- the thing about the family, you see, like, like you mentioned, the thing about the family, the thing about the, the language, the thing about the common culture is you know, when, you, when we understand that, that trauma and injuries that occur interpersonally, which is virtually all of them, unless you're attacked by a grizzly bear. No. And even if you're attacked by a grizzly bear, you're not going to end up, you know, being wigged out when you meet somebody in the mall. <laughs> so, so virtually, uh, you know, it's fair to say virtually all of our traumas, the things that are really severely uh, creating a lot of severe suffering for people are relationship oriented. And the idea is that those traumas need to be healed in relationship. So it's a huge thing to do yeah. a, a situation where the, the person has the, the language they, they know the, the um, way of, of um, sending a sense of um, connectedness, you know, with the eyes and the, the jokes and all mm-hmm. the rest, and they're sensitive to things like uh, the shame network and things, you know, some cultures don't have that. They don't have mm-hmm. that problem. All right. Well, the Dalai Lama talking about when somebody said, um, having issues with their mother, it's sort of like, well, what, what would that even
0: look like?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's like, I mean, somebody claims to not have issues. It's like, Oh yeah, that guy's, Lost in denial, isn't it?
0: Because <laughs> everybody's got those issues. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. The Tibetans uh, have consistently said well, I, I, they just don't have an understanding of the self hatred and self aggression that we we carry. Right. Um, and I think his response was like, "Stop that!"
2: <laughs> right? Was it something
0: like that. Just stop doing that. That's that's ridiculous. Which right. you know, which is interesting from a, such a skillful guy. All right. <laughs> right. So can you um, kind of walk through when someone approaches you to work with them? You obviously, you go through a 30-minute um, get-to-know-you session, but then what is what are some, some things that you key in on? Um, obviously, everyone's going to be different based on what you pick up from them, but can you kind of give us a general sense of your protocol?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and what you're mentioning there is is I offer a free 30 minute Zoom chat for just basically anybody that wants it, mm-hmm. anybody that seems to have some interest in in working with me, and um, get a sense of what I'm about and all that. So so basically, you know, bringing the the psychotherapy piece and the the training as a psychologist into it, I, I'm looking for what's underneath what is obvious. So, so folks can come in, for example, and say they have an issue with, um, gosh, what could it be? Often it, it's, it's, all, it's all over the map. You know, they can say, I have, I have anxiety. I have a history of depression. Um, uh, I, I get triggered by my mother, my brother, my whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I want to get a sense and help them get a sense of, of the, their foundation. What what is um, what is anxiety and depression? If we look, look at it from a developmental perspective, a attachment issue perspective, what happens in the first eighteen months or so in their life, and get us and kind of lay that out, like you know, do you, did you feel safe? Did you have a sense of attunement? Did you feel like you had help with affect regulation, understanding the difference between fear and anger? Did you feel like you were received with joy in the world? Did you feel like someone had, had your back? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, they're just sort of like, no, 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 no. It's okay. So that's the foundation we're working with. Mm-hmm. And so now we're 30, 40, 50 years away from that foundation. And how did that manifest and why did
2: it manifest?
1: Well, because you're creative and intelligent and determined, You're you're going to find a way to find, be healthy and safe in that insane situation. You're going to adapt. And how did you adapt this way here? Okay. And oftentimes anxiety and depression are really just reflections that someone is not living their life with integrity. Mm. That's easy enough. And a lot of folks don't think about that. It's like, well, what's happening? Well, you're getting older and your ears are clicking by, and part of you understands that there's a path you should be on and you're not on it.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So,
1: you also talk about was going to say I also uh, present that that notion of of being able to observe who we truly are versus versus our conditioning mm-hmm. and being able to uh, separate in any moment of time there's there's two elements of experience and one of them is awareness and one of them is the object mm-hmm. and, and and they're not the same
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that which is aware of anxiety is not anxious mm-hmm and if we identify with the anxiety, then we identify with anxiety. If we identify with awareness, we identify with awareness. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a thumbnail sketch of what we're working on in a contemplative or mystical experience of what we get in ayahuasca experiences. Mm-hmm. Let's just take the conditioned narrowness, smallness, fear, take that and let that fall away, give you an experience of what you truly are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, something we, we often say is that, you know, any, in the ayahuasca experience, anything that's "quote unquote" negative in the experience, it's not ayahuasca as much as it is you, and ayahuasca brings to the surface to look at as an object to be released. And we need to right. be aware of that. It's not truly, actually, uh, it's it's not the awareness; it's just the the, the object. And then once once ayahuasca cleans, uh, helps us clean that out whether through an easy process or a tough process um then we get an experiencer directly which is awareness dealing with what i would argue is awareness awareness looking at at, at itself um
1: metacognitive position
0: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um but okay so so that's your general approach and how what's your protocol when when someone comes to you after let's say they didn't do the the retreat or ayahuasca experience or psychedelic experience, they come to you like, Hey, I just had this gigantic experience.
2: Sure.
0: Um, where do you start with that same, you know, where are you at now and then what are these conditionings and so forth? How, how do sure. you go about that?
1: And, and that, that happens with some regularity and I, I welcome that, uh-huh. that, you know, and it, it runs the gamut it, on, on the good end or the, um, I don't know. Good's not a good word to use, I guess, but on the, the end that um, is, you just sort of light and fun. And, um, you know, we're not trying to minimize harm, I guess, is folks come in and and they want to talk about their experience with someone that can relate to their experience Uh and and can relate from a, you know, psychological perspective of of mirroring back to them. That's very healthy. It's wonderful that you did that. Oh, that look at that insight you had, what are you going to do with that? Blah, 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 you know? Uh And so, and, and that's a, that's a good part of what happens and and then you know with the folks i see and then there are even in that experience there can be something that comes up um that um like you said just a minute ago this thing of it's either going to happen easily or it's going to be difficult
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and and it's one of the things that i wonder about one of my little hypotheses i run with is and i, I, I seem to have some evidence for this from the folks I'm working with. once you go through a difficult healing experience, mm-hmm. then it's it kind of becomes easier after that. Yeah. Even if the experience is more powerful and more scary and more whatever it's. And it's like, you, you, you know, now that this is sort of what's going to happen. It's going to unfold this way. And on the other side, and I've heard people describe that sort of as well, I'm there and the emotions are going everywhere, but you know, I'm not upset. Yeah you know, they, they're like, they're comfortable with their discomfort.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, and to get back now on, on your question and there are folks that come back and, and they've had some bad, I would say a combination of lack of adequate preparation, lack of adequate attention from the, the facilitator that they had, mm-hmm. l- lack of connection with them because again, maybe they, they're Peruvian or maybe they're whoever they are and, and they're, they're not tuned into the subtle. Right. And, um, and they come back and and they can be pretty distressed because now some things have come up that they weren't aware they even had or weren't aware it even happened uh-huh. but it hasn't been integrated it hasn't they, they didn't get through the other side of it they backed away yeah so I would see them sort of as having a um, some level of, of a traumatization of that experience uh-huh-huh uh-huh. and um that that's you know yeah and then d- d- then work with that yeah you know, work with that 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 that's the other end and then in the middle would be people that have had insights that are troubling to them and they take it personally
0: Uh, okay.
1: uh and and they they take it lit- i'm sorry literally actually would be the word they take it literally instead of metaphorically instead of symbolically that that this is uh uh it's just too late now for this or something like that that message may have come well i mean, it it and if you interpret that like it's too late now, I should just give up, but interpret it like it's too late to worry about this particular question that you have or this particular maybe you wanted to be a you know professional linebacker and now you're sixty four years old you know you kind of need to let go of that one buddy uh, yeah. you know, there's something and, and kind of convert that literal interpretation into a more um, helpful interpretation because I mean, my, my bias and belief is, is that nothing harmful is going to happen here. Yeah. The the medicine is not going to come after us in some kind of evil way to kind of, you know, destroy our lives or make it more miserable. That doesn't mean the experiences are going to be fun, easy to understand and not, you know, scary as hell. Yeah. From time to time, at least.
0: Yeah. And that it's interesting what you were talking about. We, we too, um, Tend to see a um, if if someone goes through a rough experience um <clears throat> one night and this this is part of the reason we do multiple ceremonies rather than just one is that the subsequent night um it will be easier is a strong word because it may not be easier but they they're able to deal with it better um and the other thing is is that the that first strong or difficult night i should say um is there's a lot of work being done as, as unpleasant as it may be that work. Once it's done for some reason in ayahuasca, our experience, I would love to hear if you agree, our experience is that once that work is done, it is done mm-hmm. uh, for the, for uh, particularly going into the next ceremony. Now we can always recondition ourselves. <laughs> the mental yeah. patterns are still there, but that energetic, okay. uh, gunk right. that we clean out and during a difficult experience that's gone you know and we can yeah. um, and so the subsequent night one we kind of learned how to dance in a new way with ayahuasca during that difficult time and then oh we're back on the dance floor oh this is much smoother um, and oh oh there is still some stuff here we've done a lot of work but there's still some stuff either remaining from that previous experience or oh we've got some other work to be done uh, oh yeah going on here
1: yeah that there's so many, there's so much, so many different points of what you just said. I'd like to respond to, but the first was as you were speaking, I was just reminded of how perfect my experience was. Started out with a light experience, so uh-huh. I went in easy to surrender, then gets, you know basically am killed, and then but still realize you know that I'm getting a lot of good stuff out of this. I go back in, and by the time I get to the jungle, I'm not sweating the small stuff. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of healing happens. And this notion that that when the healing happens, the healing happens and it's done, absolutely. But yeah. what's not broken is the is the habit energy and the personal habits that people live out in their life. So that that's where this uh, integration and stabilization following ceremonies and following healings are so is so critical. To understand that 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 sure we we we've had those problems and we've we've had those injuries and we, now we're healed from them. What do we do with our daily life now in a a way that's going to maintain that, stabilize that? And sometimes that's as simple as, well, you got to stop, you know, getting drunk three days a week. You got to stop, you know, um, cheating on your wife. You got to stop, you know, cheating in your business. You got to, you know, reel reel yourself in around, uh, you know, watching horror movies or things that, you know, create a lot of fear in your mind or whatever a good meditation practice would be wonderful. A good martial arts engagement would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Some type of discipline that, that is an embodied practice, Qigong, um, all these things. So we need, we need to learn to, to be who we have just discovered ourselves to be, Are we going to fall back into being the person that we have believed ourselves to be have been told we are and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's so wonderful, those those few days, weeks, months following ceremony, just to be free. And my experience of it, and I, I, I think I hear this in other folks too, is it's not that it's gone. It's that it's more like it's on the other side of the street. So I see that person that used to trigger me, for example, and I, I can see, well, there, there's some stuff there. I'm not triggered. Huh. Huh. And, so I'm in it, and then it's almost like it's happening to someone yeah, it happened to someone else. And like the person I mentioned earlier, th- all these emotions and fears and things were happening. And she said, I wasn't upset. That's not upsetting me. Uh-huh. It's an- another, another kind of flashback to the ride to the top of the mountain. What happens at the top of the mountain? We're resting in pure awareness. Uh-huh. Is pure awareness, does pure awareness have fear? Is there urgency here? Is there even hope here? No, no. It's just simply being, and the richness and fullness of being, the interconnectedness with all things. Where are the boundaries? There are no boundaries. It goes goes out as far as the edge of the galaxy, as if there could be an edge of the galaxy. I'm as related to that tree as I am to to anyone else. Because it's breathing out, I'm breathing in. I don't have to mm-hmm. think about this. I'm experiencing it. Cool. And my wife does this work with um, forest bathing, which is a way of uh, sort of stabilizing this view in nature.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And we're so cut off in our Western culture these days from nature. It can be like you go out after and after. And it's what I I like to do. The folks I work with go out after your experience and just really open up to what's around you
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and just, just be, be with this particularly, you know, time like this springtime in Kentucky. Wow. Just be with this amazing unfolding of life. Have the direct experience. You are not separate from this. Yeah. You are absolutely. Part of this is every leaf on that tree.
2: Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it, we we talk about um, um, how ayahuasca it's removing those blockages, and we talk about them as energy blockages that um, keep us separate. And and I think you mentioned this earlier. And then then people are surprised post retreat. Both surprised generally in a positive way, but they're also, they get a little freaked out how like, oh, I can feel everything. Like Mm -hmm. now I, I," and it includes both the the wonderful positive stuff, but then there's some unpleasant stuff that that it's part of the, part of the deal. Yeah. You're more sensitive now and and there's some responsibility and and, uh, that goes along with that. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's always fun to kind of talk because we, we do, you know, we get people who uh, you know, ask us uh, about integration afterwards as well. Um, and obviously we, we respond and um, with, with things like, yeah, yeah. You, meditation practice will help you with that. Um, and so much of that integration practice, even with the help of someone like yourself um, is discipline, right. And, and doing, doing the work because the healing is really, I don't want to say it's all one's own responsibility. We need help a lot, um, but a lot of that requires us to do through our own efforts, right?
1: yes. and and what one thing I see when I work with folks that have not had uh, experiences with the medicine or other psychedelics and, or and or have not had mystical experiences from whatever, maybe from you know meditating seriously for the past twenty five years is that they, they can become overly identified with their pathology.
2: Hmm.
1: And, and it's like, you know, who would I be without my anger? Who would I be if I wasn't a raging alcoholic? Who would I be if I wasn't bipolar? And, and so it, a, a really honest and uh, I would say essentially impossible to deny experience of that like psychedelics can give us Like, no, that that's not who I am because I can see it. It's across the street.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean,
1: that's the thing about objectification. I mean, If I can see something, then I know I'm not it. Mm -hmm. I I can see my lamp over there. I know I'm not my lamp. I can see my thoughts. I'm not my thoughts. I can see my feelings. I'm not my feelings. I can see my old habits on and on and on and on and on. But, but it's not just the person you see, the person goes back into a system. So they show up back at home and I had this conversation with a young man just the other day. So, you know, he's saying, so I went back into my family and my family, they don't see that I've changed. They don't, you know, I, I, I don't even know how to even bring the subject up. And I encourage him to say, well, that's, that's going to be difficult. And if it's your family of origin, you know, mothers, mother, father, siblings, then it, it may just be better to let that one go. Mm-hmm but if it's someone you're in a committed relationship to married with or children whatever and I've had a n- number of these conversations with folks that say I'll just do it and won't tell my wife I say man you really don't want to do that one yeah. that is that is in, that is insane you got to let her know what's going on because you're going to come back a different duck yeah, yeah. And, and so I mean, I feel so blessed, and I know you do too, to have a wife that that is supportive of this, and you know, can engage with this, and and really appreciate it, and have the language around it, and all the, all that. It's so wonderful. Um, but but some folks don't have that. Yeah. So, yeah. That's where they need some community. They need a therapist. They need a coach. They need, and here in Louisville, Kentucky, we're starting a a, a beautiful young woman from uh I think from DC area came down and going to school here and she's starting a uh, Louisville psychedelic community. Uh-huh. So we get together and have tea and share experiences and all that kind of stuff. Cause you know, kind of stuff you, you can't always talk to people on the bus about, but often oftentimes you can. I'm yeah. always, I'm amazed how many people have had these experiences.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it, It's it's interesting. Um, you were talking about uh, the significant others and a lot of, we, we always, and, Laf Mayahuaska, when we before we let someone come on retreat, we have them fill out an application. And then we also have a, a, a Zoom interview as well, so that we make sure that there is we just like each other so that we can work together kind of thing. And I think that's pretty key. Um I think you would agree. But um on on a regular fairly regular basis, we have a husband or a wife or someone in a in a relationship. Say, hey, I really want to do this, and my partner is afraid I'm going to come back a completely different person. And I always respond, "Yeah, you're going to be different when you yeah, absolutely, you know." And and the, some of the questions that I bring forward, they're like, "Well, yes, you're going to be different, and it's going to be actually, I would argue, more authentically you." your true yourself is we're dropping all this traumatic baggage and getting out of the way. And this is an interesting thing to ask about the relationship, not that it's insurmountable at all, but this insecurity around um, of the other in this case um, around um, change. I mean, that is change is going to happen um, through one's life, through a relationship, no matter what, and so there's there's something there, and I don't know how uh, to articulate it. Um, maybe you can you can kind of jump in.
1: Well, the, the difficult part there. What, what's coming up in my mind is uh, Yalom was this man that um, I think he was a German, and he did a lot of work with uh, group therapy stuff. And one of his books is. Um, about um, being someone who uh, loves executioner. That's the title, loves executioner. So what he's pointing to to there and and what I see a lot is the thing about relationships in a modern world where we have, uh, one, is our lifespan is not capped off at about 35 like it was a dozen generations ago we have opportunities. Now, um, we can have one relationship or five, we can be married multiple times, all sorts of things that simply weren't true in the past. Um, when we start out oftentimes the relationship is built on sort of mutual insecurity. Mm. For example, if we look back at that, um, attachment issue questions, what happened in the first 18 months, two years of life for someone who didn't feel safe, then they may find somebody that's big and powerful and, and carries a gun and, and is bully and beats up people. And say, so I feel safe with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's a sense of attunement and connectedness, then they might connect with someone, for example, in the worst case, my most scary case might be a borderline personality disorder where their boundaries can just go to zero. And the sex can feel like just unbelievably union with all that it was ever created until the flip, the switch flips the other way. Mm. But the notion is, is that we're all coming together with a very limited self understanding of who we are,
2: mm-hmm.
1: how we got to be where we are, what our true values are, what our gifts are and and we're marrying, marrying more or less or partnering up in a significant way. Um, I mean, in the ideal sense, we're doing that to discover who we are. Mm. A a couple of ways that people are in the world. And one is people that are growth oriented and they go out and and they want to grow and change and challenge themselves. And they're people who are safety oriented. They want to keep everything the same. Let's don't Mm -hmm. rock the boat. Mm -hmm. And they might've learned that in their family of origin, whatever, obviously learned somewhere. And so they come into a place of sort of, um, homeostasis or a settled place in that relationship.
3: Mm-hmm. And then
1: one person, I see this, I, you know, with some regularity, one person, and often it's the female and and the folks I work with, they, they've been turned on now and, and, and they want to figure out who they are and why and where they're going. Mm-hmm. They're growth oriented and the husband may be safety oriented. And I think the truth to that and what I tell folks is, you know, if you really, if you really, um, uh, invest yourself in discovering who you are and living an authentic life. Um, you know, you pretty much have to be ready to to let go of anything that you're attached to. Mm-hmm. That thing i I'm, I'm struggling to get the quote around from, I think it's from a Christian perspective. It's the, this wonderful thing. It is only all it's required is, 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 is the ultimate, higher ultimate truth or whatever and all is required is that you give up everything. Mm. Now we're talking about surrender, you see, on a different level.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so if, and that's difficult, it's difficult if someone's just been married for three years, it's very difficult if they've been together for 10 years, they have three children and the husband is, is, um, you know, 45 or 50, he's going to go off and change himself. And I think that the honest answer to that is so you don't know. Yeah. I mean, folks at your age and your situation oftentimes just bounce out of these marriages, buy themselves a sports car and go pick up a 22-year-old and off they go. So mm-hmm. you, you're going to do better than that. But as far as staying in the relationship, you, know, you have to understand that um, you, you know, you're moving into a place of, of deep self-discovery and deep healing. And if, uh, what I encourage you to do is to bring your wife in, let's, let's get her on board here and help her understand that all that's going to happen is you're going to be more full of yourself. You're going to be more able to be loving and supportive mm-hmm. and generous and kind and selfless compassion and all the rest. Um, the only thing, you know, I guess it was, uh, Truman, wasn't it? The only thing to fear is fear itself. It's uh, yeah. Get, Churchill maybe. Some, one of those, one of those yeah. guys, yeah. World War, one World was, War one of those old guys from a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> so, yeah, but that, that whole notion of, yeah, uh, we, we, we got to be brave enough to, to, to join our partners when they're going off into a, a thing that's, that's going to be growthful for them because it can be and really should be growthful for that crucible of, of marriage and their relationship too. Yeah. And, and, and fear is really the only thing that's going to prevent that from happening. Yeah, I, I just can't I can't imagine I, I can't imagine someone going off in, into a ceremony or a week of ceremonies and coming back, you know, um, being a, a real total jerk and more self you know yes.
0: selfish
1: and and corrupt and all that. This is not what's going to happen
0: no no and that, that's our that's our experience is um the only time the relationship falls apart is if there was questions about the relationship before the the ceremony um and usually it's not married i mean I, I don't think we've ever had anyone go home and and end their marriage it's always been like a girlfriend or boyfriend that was just kind of like on the edge anyway and right. um so yeah mm-hmm. um Okay. So, so yeah, we kind of got on the negative end of uh, some relationships there. And, and we did, you know, a, again, in our experience, laughing, family ayahuasca experience, the generally what happens is um, the partner goes through the ayahuasca experience and they go home and the, 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 the partner is like, Holy cow, you're a wonderful new person. <laughs> um, and, and, and much more open and communicative and, Everything just flows smoother. Um, and as I mentioned before, if, there was, if the relationship was already kind of funky to begin with, and it was just a matter of time, um, it, ayahuasca experience can help one kind of just go, okay, it's time, let's just go our separate ways. But I've never seen a divorce over ayahuasca personally. Um, with that said, um, wh- what about on um, the more positive side that you've seen?
1: Oh yeah, well I mean the the positive potential here is, is tremendous, in the sense of if if someone you know when we when we're thinking now about integration as as also the preparation side of integration, mm-hmm. if if a couple comes into a, a powerful cer- uh, ceremony to powerful uh, experience with medicine, then uh, and they they understand what the potential is that we'll we can we'll go in here together and surrender to this experience and we will come out with all sorts of insights about ourselves individually we'll have insights and understandings about how we got, came together what's keeping us together and mm-hmm. how we can shift in a very productive way into a higher level of functioning which is if we look at relationships over some period of time i don't know what the number would be but let's just say take 12 years for example there there's some transitions that happen there you know, they talk about the seven year itch, you know, where there's a sort of a time there where one or both partners are sort of looking for something new in the sexual arena, for example. Mm-hmm. OK, if you understand that that's a that's a essentially a developmental stage that's that's coming up or, or has passed through or whatever else. And you go in and you say, now let me let me just open here to this experience and deeper understandings of where that's coming from. Let, let's find a way where you and I, this, you know, the, our, the two partners can work together to uh, to address that energy in a very productive way. Mm-hmm. So what I see actually, the healthy version of that is is their sex life goes to a deeper, more intimate, more connected way of, mm-hmm. of exchanging there. So it's like that, you know, that you mentioned earlier that uh, that folks talk about being so open and so sensitive and so, you know, they're, they're sensitive to their sight. They hear better and they see better and their, their physical touches is is, uh, uh, awakened. Mm -hmm. And so you take that into a committed sexual relationship, man, you can have some fun with that one. Yeah. So why not? You know, why not?
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: then, and then as you move on to, you know, later, later in life and testosterone levels start coming down and the, you know, the urgency to catch and breed everything that can be caught kind of, phase into a different place too. Mm-hmm. Now, what do I do with this one? Okay, well, let, let, let's go have another visit here with mother ayahuasca and get some guidance on this
2: one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's just, uh, um, you know, again, feel very personally blessed to have, be able to participate in that level of relationship
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and just see folks that are, um, that can and I, I work with folks that share that journey. I work with other couples that that share. I work with with couples that share that journey, and so yeah. I see that as a very positive thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's, it's funny because when I started working with you, um, we talked about having um, Jess come in, and and you mentioned how you know it's a powerful crucible when it's you know, coach and and and. I don't know what do you call me a patient. Um, I wouldn't call
1: you that. I might okay. call you a client. Maybe I don't have patient. Client. Patients.
0: There we go. Uh, coach good. and client. And uh, however, it's an even more powerful crucible when there's a partnership uh, in and involved with the, that coaching. And so yeah. I imagine it's a similar situation with uh, with with uh, ayahuasca. Um, in terms of that crucible, is that much stronger? Um, and in in personal experience, um, ayahuasca is very much. Uh, this is kind of esoteric, but the, the message it received is ayahuasca is very much about family. Really likes the family. Really likes to have partnership, um, and and you know, she wants life to continue. She she's life supporting, and and that's guess what? That's how do you do that? Family, <laughs> <laughs> partnership, <laughs> <with> family. <laughs> there we
2: go. There
1: you go all right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the need for that, I mean, it, there's, there's so much focus these days uh, on the realization that addictions, for example, mm-hmm. the foundation of addiction is a loss of family, a loss of community, loss of sense of meaning and purpose and connection in life. Mm-hmm. That's one, one way the 12 step programs and other like refuge recovery and other programs like that, uh, give folks a sense of purpose and connectedness. But we just think about how far away we are from just a few generations ago, even my father's generation you know, grew up in a household with seven or eight kids. He's 10, nine, 10, years old out killing rabbits with his slingshot and he brings that rabbit in And They eat it that night, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, even as a little boy and even earlier than that, he's out there planting corn or getting water or helping with the, you know, dressing out the hog or whatever they're doing, you know, active participation in, in the, in the, the very livelihood,
2: Mm-hmm. and then we're going
1: to the industrial revolution it, the fathers go off to the factory they come back tired and angry separation from the family alcoholism mm-hmm. and all the other good stuff you know
0: yeah so yeah you, you this brings up an interesting point i i um there's there's some concern out there um, and i think there's some validity there um that people are doing psychedelics um and uh, ayahuasca being in too many ayahuasca ceremonies in in a short period of time um, and when we look back at uh, indigenous cultures they you know the the shamans or the medicine people would obviously be doing more uh, would be doing ayahuasca and psychedelics on uh, whatever plant they're working with on a regular basis, but then um, the general population would just do um, you know one for uh, rites of passage and and maybe if you got sick or or, or something like that. Um, so I see the point, but I also point want to point out that in indigenous culture, you didn't have the pressures, the anxiety, and so forth of our modern day culture so i want i I would put forth the idea, and I'd love your, opinion, your to hear your thoughts that there's somewhere in between. Right. We, I would look at it like now in our culture, um, we're getting, we go through an ayahuasca retreat, we clean a bunch of stuff out, then we go back and we actually kind of, it's two steps forwards, one step back over a period of time, um, that can be supported though through other practices like meditation and so forth. Uh, and the, the booster shots of another ayahuasca retreat um, is actually appropriate in a lot of ways. And then we have this other group of people who are going to do it more regularly. Um, I mean, we're at Left million ayahuasca. We're really careful about keep making sure people aren't using it as a crutch, but rather if people are interested in and using it more as a sacrament, um, as a, they're almost, they're almost studying the medicine, to, but not quite like an apprentice. Um, and that can be healthy too, but there are, but then there, there are those who are who doing it all the time, all the time, all the time, and they are getting ungrounded and, and, and things are going sideways. We don't see it that much. With La familiar was because we're careful about it but I'd love to hear your comment on all of what I just said
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well sure I mean one one thing I appreciate about what you do and have respect for your organization and and your your leadership is just what you're saying there is that is that you're not trying to track people in to have you know one ceremony and two weeks later have another ceremony and do that you know for the next four years mm-hmm. it's, you know come in and, and do what you need and then now we've got the whole notion of it is an individual path mm-hmm. and someone may actually need that they may need to come in and do 12 ceremonies in a I mean 12 12 week retreats in a, in a year mm-hmm. don't know don't know just don't know yeah. because yeah. you know folks you come in not only with i mean this is this is my you know i guess i've i've drank the Kool-Aid on this this view of the world is that we we don't we don't just have our own personal um karma to clean up. You know, mm-hmm. we have uh, this again from a, a young woman who had a, a very deep experience. One of her insights was we suffer and we heal because the universe needs to heal. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten that too from uh, an elder in the, the Lakota tradition when I had opportunity to work with them up in South Dakota. That said this stuff goes back further than we can ever imagine. Mm-hmm just like we've inherited our 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 opposing thumbs and our vision and our body. We also inherit this bundle of, of trauma. I mean, Mm -hmm. from genocides and all the rest. So it it may be people, it may be a person's path that they, they just need to stay in the medicine for who knows how long. Mm -hmm. And then it may be for someone else's path that they do more like what you're describing where they, they go in, they, they get the healing, they come out, stabilize that healing, go back in, deeper healing, another layer of the onion, come back out, stabilize it. I mean, that's, that's what I see would probably be more common for someone who's not, you know, um, I don't know how to say it, someone who does not hadn't been hospitalized in a psych ward, you know, doesn't have, you know, um, frequent suicidal ideation and all this sort of stuff, just the person that's trying to deal with a manageable load of um um personal karma that they're trying to burn through and clean up um absolutely but i mean that's where i think you know like the interviews you do and the connections that you make with people and then be able to make those recommendations on an individual basis that's all we can do And mm-hmm. like people ask me sometimes you know coming into psychotherapy how long do you think it will take i said i have no idea yeah May just we, we may we may you may get all you need from this thir- free thirty minute chat, and I have no problem with that. You know that's wonderful, and then you know and come back in a month or you know a year or whatever happens, um, because I really want to avoid the idea that there's some particular path. You know I, I like this notion of there's only one right path, buddy. There's one right path. There's not two. There's just one. Get that in your stupid head now. There's just one path, and that path is yours. Yeah, it's not like anybody else's path. It's your path. So if you find yourself adopting somebody else's path, you need to watch out for that one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Someone, path. Or someone proselytizing that path and trying to. Con- it's essentially a control game. Yeah, control and power. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah, but but it hurts people, you know, to be and and to me, it's like you really need to respect that 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 on one level we are individuals. We do have our You know, from a Christian perspective, we have our individual cross to bear, our individual Mm -hmm. collection of karma that we have to work through. Mm -hmm. And it's different for everybody. And we have different resources and different family of origins and different experiences and different resources. And so, you know, what what can we do?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And I think one of the neat things about these ceremonies is that uh, generally that they're going to be, um, people are going to be self-select to them. Mm -hmm. They're coming because they're being called to come. Yeah. Right. And that's um, you know, I, I would I would hope you wouldn't get a lot of people in there that say you know I'm here because the you know, the court system said you either go have a ayahuasca experience or go <laughs> to jail. Of course, one day that might happen. They might, of yeah. the course. say this: but what this guy needs is he needs a good, you know, a good uh, seven day ayahuasca retreat. <laughs> check, check back with the court when you get. We are. I mean, you know, really, but I really don't know. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, and this this brings up another point is um i think there's a lot of uh, we love ayahuasca and we see a lot of great transformations with ayahuasca and i think that there is um and i understand it it may be coming from a place of somewhat desperation um in terms of healing ayahuasca like in terms of physical healing. someone comes to us and says hey i got this thing Will it heal it i'll be like i don't know i'm never you know physical healing with ayahuasca that's not the it's frankly not what ayahuasca was used for traditionally um there may be some emotional releases that um you know that are attached to a physical healing we've definitely seen that however we don't to propose that you know it, it, it's going to come through, particularly around lower back issues. For some reason, we've seen a lot of that, but again, we, we this is not a um, yeah, you know, we, we definitely shy away from any physical healing. Um, and then we feel very confident around mid. To mild or mild to mid-range anxiety and depression. However, once it gets down into like deep anxiety, deep depression, then it's like hmm, you might want to do some other stuff, like a shamanic dieta, uh, or maybe approach this from a different uh, protocol, because ayahuasca alone is not. And it, this is traditional in the in the jungle too. They don't. They were like, there's a specific thing going on here, and and a big part of that is is actually this reconnection with the divine, uh, which goes to kind of the heart of the western general western illness is this lack of connection lack of lack of connection to the divine connection to other people the universe the divine what have you um do you from a would you agree with that in terms of some particularly we would you know never bring in anyone who had a history of Severe mental illness, where they had psychotic breaks or anything like that—that's a definite no-go or a suicidal ideation. Because because ayahuasca will amplify things, and the amplification can be helpful when you have mild to mid-range uh, depression and anxiety because it's a it's still manageable. And if you are deep in the throes of of uh, anxiety, and depression, it's just going to amplify it too much, right? Am I am I looking at this in a similar way you would, or what, what do you have to?
1: Well, I, I, there the, are the a number of aspects. Of course, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying within the container that you provide that anyone is able to provide pretty much these days. You really have to be careful about folks that come in and have a severe level of, of psychological, emotional, you know, mental distress, one type or the other. Mm-hmm. That's where one thing that I encourage you to do, like I've just put it put together a page uh, on my uh, web page on my site that's um, I think it's called uh, preparation for a psychedelic experience, and uh, one of the paragraphs there is um, test the waters. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways I encourage people to test the waters is going into a sensory deprivation tank for like 90 minutes. Do that six or eight times over the next few weeks, and because that'll it will tell us about the anxiety, claustrophobia, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. My thinking there is. Man, if you can't go into a safe place, close the lid and be in the dark and silence for about 90 minutes, then that's, you need to, let's, before you do any serious work here with psychedelics, let's, Mm -hmm. let's get to the place where you can. And that would be more the work of objectifying those components of that experience and basically becoming comfortable with the discomfort and all that. Mm -hmm. And this other side is a part that, that is really kind of disturbing to me because, um, Back in the 60s, 70s, they, there were some folks that put together like a community. I think it was in California. It would be the logical place for it. And they took people like out of the back wards, you know, just hardcore schizophrenics, folks that were just really severely on the high level of mental disorder.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: they basically kept them in a community. And they gave them a sense of purpose and connectedness and all these things. And it was amazing how these people came to function in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and of course you know the powers that we don't like that much because you don't sell all these good psychotropics to these people that are well adjusted and all the rest of the politics around it but i I work with with a few of these folks and i I just get little glimpses of it that says man uh, what that person needs is a stable environment where Mm -hmm. they can they can flow in and out of their you know if we saw that like on a scale of one to a hundred they can they can be sort of at an 85% level of function, they drop back to 45 and up to 85, and maybe they go to 25 for a day or two. And our culture just doesn't have room for that anymore.
0: Mm. So allowing them to the freedom to go into, in and out of that space without judgment, and people right. go, oh, they're, you know, Tommy's going through his thing again, and just be like, "That's a, oh, That's right. interesting, and then he'll come out, but no big deal.
1: Or, or sit down with him and say, so, Tommy, what are you seeing? Mm-hmm. well man you know i mean like the trees you know you, you hear the music of the trees not right now Tommy. what are they saying let's well, tune in you know whatever it is you know it's kind of it's not it's it, he may not even be crazy at all he may just be off in a different his uh left brain and amygdala may be kind of put to sleep like one of the things that psychedelics do for us mm-hmm. but you know to me it's just sad that that um but I think it's true. It's just this is another sad reality. Like there, you know, half the people of the world live on two dollars and fifty cents a day, and those types of things. There are people digging through the trash to try to get enough food to eat for their kids and all that. And part of it is there are people with situations that I sense are um, manageable, but the level of resources that you'd have to bring to that just not available. Yeah, and it's like,
2: man, that's just. Mm. Yeah. I
1: you know, it's just um, like the starfish story. You know, the two guys are walking on the beach. They come to these thousands of starfish and that are obviously going to dry out and die if they don't get in the water. So the guy starts tossing the starfish back in. And the the guy says, you can't do anything with these starfish. You're not going to make any difference here. There's a billion of these guys. And he say, well, threw one in the water and said, just made a difference to that one.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And we've got to let the rest go,
2: yeah. you know. Yeah.
1: And it's something that certainly the Peace Corps had taught me some of that, that there, everybody is not going to get on the same bus. Yeah. Like some people aren't going to get on the bus at all.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and I don't know. I mean, I, I would, I would love to think, I would love to see what it would be to be able to come into a place that has access to plant medicine, have access to the other supportive uh, medicines that, that, for example, that you offer the, the, I don't, the singing and the connecting with spirit in different ways and just say, just go in there and stay for five years. Let's see what, how it comes out on the other side. You know, let's just see what that's like.
0: That'd be but, fun. That'd be great. And,
1: and, and I really think a lot of these folks would come out in the, like the 85% level of function. I think mm-hmm. they'd do fine with it. I
0: really do. Yeah. Well, and with, with five years, yeah, we wouldn't start them off like, "Oh, you you, oh, right. you, you arrive on Friday, let's go straight in." <laughs> <that. laughs> exactly. uh, so, they'd have plenty of time to, you know, take it nice and slow and and yeah, uh, so, yeah did,
1: did, 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 did you know, ease them into whatever appropriate. Yeah. I'm wondering if you saw any examples of that when when you were living in the jungle
0: of oh, like people you, who had, yeah. I guess, quasi psychosis.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And you know, people if
1: of the community that were sort of marginal, that
0: would be, uh, yeah, not, I, I was living in a, a mestizo, um, which mixed, which means mixed blood, um, mestizo community in a small village, 3000 people. Um, you know, what the people who are marginal, um, tended to be people who drank a lot, um, oh, okay. alcoholics. And so I don't know if that was them. Um, you know, dealing with those types of issues and trying to numb them out through alcohol or not. Um, and the other part is, is that um, I spent uh, a majority of my time out at my camp, which was probably, well, not probably. It was 45 minutes boat, picky, picky boat ride up the river. Um, didn't have any neighbors or anything like that. Okay. So, um, yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you, but I don't. Um, okay. Awesome.
1: <laughs> Maybe something we'll have to we'll, we'll come back together in the next lifetime and we'll
0: look into that. Out. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I can see see on your website now five year retreat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we got to have a very long interview before we. Exactly. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um, I'll send some folks your way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have been talking for quite a bit. Um, what I'd like to to do is kind of hear what is your if you had your druthers in your dream world uh, working with people around ayahuasca specifically, because we're you know, obviously an ayahuasca podcast, but what would you have them do from uh, an ideal preparation going into a uh, ceremony and then integration standpoint? You know, would it be like uh, three months ahead of time they start working with me, or, you know, maybe it's a month. I, I don't know. Can you kind of lay it out? What would your ideal um and obviously it's going to be very individual but um your ideal situation in terms of uh, a program if you will that was beyond and above and beyond just the retreat itself
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: well my, my first urge was to say uh, the sooner they're better but that's probably not true i, I think if folks uh, are responding to a leading or a calling um then I would I would say uh, probably a month or a month and a half before they plan to um, have the retreat uh, to connect and we'll um, explore some of the um, potential issues and some of the potential healings that might uh, they might open to um, not not so much that they're setting themselves up like a course of treatment, like they might go into a physical therapist office and say, you know, I have trouble with my golf swing what's happening here. Well, we're going to get these muscles stronger. We're going to get that tendon, nice and loose. Uh, not like that so much as it is, um, that they have some experience of opening up and receiving insights and deeper understandings about themselves. Hmm. And also, Uh, that they have some experiences with some discomforts that might arise in that way. As they look back, literally look back through like like an old family album and here here I am when I'm three and there's Mm -hmm. Uncle George and all this different stuff. Um, I would combine that with a um, fairly disciplined uh, meditation practice. Uh, I generally encourage people to start with a body scan so they become more sensitive to the subtle energies and shifts in their body. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea there is that when we talk about being um, caught off in a reactive pattern or hijacked or whatever that, that's a that's a cluster of experience that their thoughts and emotions <clears throat> associated with that. but there's also um, physical elements of that the breath gets shallow, the heart gets fast, sweat, palm sweat, all this stuff. Tension be, develops in the eyes and the face. And so if we can shift our attention away from trying to think our way through it and instead sort of relax our way through it, mm-hmm. so we, we notice the tension in the eyes, we soften that, relax the jaw, deepen the breath, and just let go. So then they would, and also have them test the water some again, sort of my... um uh, Goal standard to that would be find yourself a good, you know, float tank and put yourself in it for a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And that would have them sort of set up in a a way where they're dealing with things that they, most people don't generally deal with in their everyday life. They've just Mm -hmm. sort of either buried it or forgotten it and put them in a mindset of, of reflection and openness and open hearted curiosity and have some practice with being hijacked like off the cushion when they're trying to, something's trying to break their meditation practice and and, and discipline, having the discipline to come back and drop back into that open hearted curiosity, Mm. lack of reactivity, lack of urgency, ride the waves of the urgency and not be caught off by it. Excuse me. And then I encourage people to um, really think of it as an intention. Mm-hmm. And what is what? What are the intentions of coming into this experience, and not holding on to those like it, they're necessarily going to, you know, you're going to find those answers to that uh, particular question or that particular issue. But again, it it's all these things are are under the umbrella of prepare to enter the ceremony with an attitude of surrender, uh, positive expectation, hopefulness. Uh, understanding that the ride could be rough or uh, very rough. It could be very smooth. It could be very pleasant. It could be very unpleasant. It could be all sorts of things, mm-hmm. but ultimately it is about your healing and growth. Just like some of the things you might've experienced that might have been difficult when you close that door on that float tank that, you know, claustrophobia kicked in and you worked over the weeks and months to manage that. Here's another little door that's closing. That's uncomfortable for you. Mm-hmm but know what's on the other side. I also, on that one page I put together, I put together a, a list of um, YouTubes and TED Talk interviews and all sorts of things, and TED Talks and interviews and different things. That's based on the idea that, like from Ken Wilber, uh, talking about the the importance of having a cognitive map and understanding of what we're doing and why and, mm. and how and all this. So, We are not, um, don't just go in there with the wrong set of expectations or Mm -hmm. uh, unrealistic expectations and the rest. Um, And this one is one that I'm starting to work with more um, slowly just to see how it goes. But the idea of doing um, reasonably heavy microdose and combine that with a float experience. Mm. And I don't even know if that's a good idea or not. But it's just because um, I, I don't know I, I, the, a, the number of the folks that I'm I work with. Their first experience was the most powerful in a lot of ways.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't really know if it's a good idea for folks to that are not in a week long ceremony mm-hmm. to to actually have a, a a taste of a psychedelic experience.
0: Can I comment
1: on that? You certainly can. Please do. Yeah, I, I
0: actually. particularly if it's their first psychedelic experience um it can um i've i've had someone um do that a woman who had some trauma that she was trying to work through and um her and her husband without the knowledge of ourselves decided to take mushrooms as a warm-up oh gosh but they don't know what they're doing and so it's um uh, it actually re-traumatized her, and and um, all of this, and and so, uh, yeah, I would I would approach that with extreme caution, um, you know. And, and you know, microdosing with we would never encourage anyone to to drink ayahuasca alone without lots of training. Uh, That's a quite a different animal yeah, compared to psilocybin is. and so forth. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that two cents from, from over here in the peanut gallery.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, and, that, and what you're describing there again, is someone who, who went into this experience on their own without some guidance or encouragement or support yeah. didn't turn out well. No. Of course that's, that's some of the folks I'm working with too, are folks that have gone off on their own and it didn't go out. It didn't come off very well. Uh, uh. And that's uh, that's one of the difficulties of the whole um, you know, uh, using it as a as entertainment and 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 the rest is i mean it might be that might be fine for most people or some people they come back confused and and re-traumatized about things they didn't even know they had a trauma about mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. Uh, not a good idea Mm-hmm. So I Appreciate that. So now I'm I'm, I'm I'm coming off off my edge of the fence there, off the side. So that's not we do. So that where, was, a, that was a safe container.
0: Yeah, that was that was a speculation that you had, not something that you were actually actively right. right. Okay.
1: Yeah, as you can see, I have lots lots of speculations. Like, let's go pull these people out of the back wards and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. I just. Kind yeah. of, Part of my personality, I'm always looking at the next look at thing. I wonder if that would really work. Would
0: work, yeah. oh, yeah. the But the logistics of a five-year retreat with the people coming out of the back wards would be significant, mm-hmm. but may well, it I, possible. But
1: I, I, I turn that over to you. I decided. I've done that to pay What are you talking about? Not yeah. the
0: <laughs> so okay, so continue on your your, your um your preparation and integration Prepar- model. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so that would be, you know, and I tell people to encourage people, you know, I have um, uh, on my website under mindfulness, there's a free guided meditation and starter kits. And so it's six or seven different guided meditations. And I say, you know, you can find these anywhere, but if you use these, then you're going to become more uh, accustomed to my manner of speech and my voice. And you're going to be matching that with being relaxed over and, over and over and over and over and over again. So then when we connect either through zoom or you come into my office and I say, so, so George. How's it going today, man? And then you sort of drop in and there you are. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, so there's
1: and, and yeah, now let's let's start work, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just not it's not difficult at all. And I've had people, you know, that back in the in the day when I used to give out, you know, these plastic C D things. That you know, I used to give out CDs instead of now. Of course, it's all just digital. You know, I send people links and they ah. download it. So, you know, someone called you, you know, from probably 20 years ago and said, you know, I I use your that CD every night, you know, to go to sleep. Now, <laughs> I, I've lost it. You, you got to do something. Okay. Well, <laughs> just click on this link, you know. Uh, be, don't don't stress out too much. It'll be all right. Uh, yeah. And that's sort of an example of what we don't like to do, but it, it kind of feels good when it happens.
2: Mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So
0: so that's all preparation, and then of course there's the the experience itself, and then you come in, you meet up again post retreat, right?
2: Yeah, or yeah,
1: and then it's the a big part of that is listening to the story, uh-huh. and reframing the story, and mirroring back uh, what might be considered important elements of the story and the experience that mm-hmm. they sort of you know skipped over, you know. And so you know, I I just felt the most safe and. And comfortable and free of any anxiety or urgency of any moment. And then we went to that well, let's wait before we go to the just in, let's back up on that one just a little bit. So where's that experience now?
2: Hmm.
1: Now kind of like look for a minute. Is it somewhere else? Is it some other time? Where is it now? And then I might ring my little bell. Just just stay with the bell for a minute. And I'll come back to It's right here. That's right. Mm-hmm. Where could it be anywhere else? Can't be anywhere else. Does it ever go away? No. What goes away? I do. That's right. Right here, right now. Just like it always is. No place to go. Wow. Notice your breath being any different? Oh, yeah. How's your face? Very relaxed. We hang out there for a little while. So now let's just go into your. You are mentioning you have some challenges with your business. Yeah. So let's just just stay with him for a minute. You see that little wave of energy that just flashed there. Yeah. Is that a problem? No, not a problem. So just watch that from bit. So that would be stabilizing the view.
0: mm Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So we 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 attain the view
0: through the ceremony yes. and then and then through your t- recalling it's it's almost it's stabilizing or anchoring that 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 yes. like, oh there's nothing to do yes. everything's yes. fine
1: yes Experience experiences right here so then we stabilize the view stabilize access to the view and then we practice having the view with everyday challenges and situations
2: mm-hmm hmm
1: and then they go out into the world and the, and they they start and and to me it's amazing uh, and very encouraging how how people take this on uh, and and learn it and they come back and say you know it was so different and people around me ask me what's why am I different
2: mm-hmm.
1: I, I just don't I don't have the sense of urgency I used to have mm-hmm. really more productive it were fewer problems all the rest of
2: course out
1: the way now by the way now that's
2: right
1: and. Yeah, it's just it's it's just mind-boggling the capacity we have to uh, to take a, 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 a what I, I, don't, I don't know if this is a, actually a term or not, but it's a term for me an embodied insight. Mm-hmm. Speak, you know, generally people think of insights as a cognitive process. Right. This isn't a cognitive process; it is a cognitive process, but it's a body process too. Nice.
0: Yeah, particularly with ayahuasca, it's so much more somatic than most of the other psychedelics.
1: Yes, yeah, and and to take that, to, to be able to bring that embodied enlightenment, but I, you know, I just used another term there, and that's really what I mean to say. Really, is we're awake,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're not just awake in our mind. We're awake in our bodies. Our our senses are more tuned. There's a, there can be experience of. Of an experience being our five physical senses, our thoughts, and our awareness being one experience, which it is before the our habits break it up,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and we start, start experiencing things as, as 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 one. We we start experiencing a a version of non-dual reality. Mm. Vision is not separate from hearing or sensation or the rest. It's all happening. This is an experience happening to this collection of protoplasm, and and, and awareness. Here it is. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then th- that becomes a practice of going out to the world and saying, instead of dividing that person into a, that's a bad person or an ugly person or a beautiful person or a whatever person is so there. There's just there are people everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I noticed that with the birds. I say, Oh, that's just a Robin, just a Robin. Well, if that Robin happened to be in like Anchorage, Alaska, they'd be saying, oh, Hey man, it's that Robin up here. You gonna believe it. Now, nice. You know, I saw a grackle yesterday, like, wow, that's a grackle. Is that any more special than the starlings or the, or the, you know, all the the little wrens and sparrows that are out there? No, they're really not. I mean, they're all these beautiful creatures, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what we do with people. That's what we do with ourselves. I have this, you know, it's like, come on now, wake up. Don't just wake up, stay awake. Yeah. Don't just stay awake. Stay on this process of cleaning up. Mm-hmm. You know, in this, this, um, integral Zen in tradition, I mean, you know, we talk about wake up, clean up, grow up and show up. Mm-hmm and my recently they've added a mess up in there too, except they don't, they don't use mass. They say something else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And because like, you'd say about the mistakes, you know, it's not, oh, mistakes. We yeah. make, it's not mistakes we're doing. We're just like when I used to be, when I was seriously suicidal in my young years, you know, when I would ride like dirt bikes and do free form rock climbing and stuff like that, you know, the thing about dirt bikes is, well, Oh yeah. Oh, you didn't, did you didn't wreck today. So you're not riding today maybe you'll come back and ride tomorrow you're not riding. You're not riding. okay well
0: you didn't wreck you didn't maybe do, it do it right
1: you're not for you always stay just you did you they do we comfortable they do where it's comfortable don't push the edge right
2: yeah, yeah. Right.
1: yeah, yeah. So, Well, you know I get a little get a little over that I've already burned up my nine lives in that category so <laughs> but,
2: cool
1: yeah it's all good right on. well I don't know if I've answered your question or not I have a you, habit of drifting off in the conversation about things and Forgetting
0: what no, the question was. Yeah, I mean, the, the question was, was what's your what's the arc of of working with you from a preparation uh, ceremony and then post post ceremony uh, yeah. standpoint. And I, I think you've you've relayed that wonderfully. Um, so yeah, awesome. Thank thank you for and ha, before I you know, we're getting close to the end here. How do people find you?
1: Well, they, it's just a—it's the most easy thing in the world. <laughs> you, know, you just go and you think now, somebody that worked for this mindfulness stuff, <laughs> what kind of URL would they have? And maybe it would be be mindful. Be mindful dot org.
0: Org. Okay. Be mindful dot org.
1: dot org because it's like an organization around the whole being mindful thing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or they just think. I wonder who, if I looked up like John Sheely, Ph.D., just put that in Google. What's going to happen? <laughs> sure. There, well, hey, uh-huh. it's got a website here. Look at this. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then on there, there's, you know, the phone number and all kinds of stuff.
0: Cool.
2: Cool. Uh,
1: yeah. Oh, uh-huh. they could find me on Maps. I find a lot of people are finding me on Maps now. I'm in one of those uh, lists of folks that help people get integrated.
0: So right, I mean, maps being the, uh, the multi-, dis- multi. Go ahead.
1: Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies.
0: Right, they've done a lot of work with MDMA, and they, they're also very interested in ayahuasca. They are Um so, so
1: yeah, then they've been in it for like thirty years.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. and it's uh, yeah, uh, they they do some really good work. Cool. Yeah, it's good, and I, I I'd love to hear from folks, and again. You know, if they, if they, I'd encourage them to come in, look at my website If they get a sense that I could be of service to them in some way, even if that service is a 30 minute conversation, you know, this I don't work with this guy, but I like to talk to him for 30 minutes and get a yeah. sense of what ideas and things I could do.
2: Sure,
1: Connect with me and we we'll have one of those free 30 minutes zooms and off they go because that's, I, I just love working with people that are, that have had these powerful experiences and appreciate that there's more to them than they're actually getting from them
2: mm-hmm. and, and,
1: get them to really uh, find a way to get the most from them because there's, there's a lot here.
0: Cool. Yes, we, we agree. That's the, the podcast. And, you know, frankly, as people haven't picked up on already, both Jess and I work with uh, John on a regular basis. um, He's our coach and that's part of the reason why he's on this podcast is we're very impressed with his work. So cool. Well, thank you for taking the time. Um, I think we're like an hour and a half on this podcast, which is great. Um, And um, thank you, everyone, who have taken the time to listen to this podcast. Uh, If you like this content and you like what we're talking about and our view around working with ayahuasca, you can check us out at ayahuascafamily.com. And of course, if you have any questions, you can contact us at info at ayahuascafamily.com. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you later.
3: The world is living